Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. You asked for it. I know you probably have never experienced that before. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> now, I, wanted, I just want to say uh, why, why I did that. Uh, today, you've asked the question. We're doing a series today on the questions that you ask at Easter. Easter, you said, you know, we want to know uh, some, uh, uh, some information about certain subjects. And one of those was, what happens when I die? And so the reason I did that is because every time that I do a funeral service and we go to the cemetery and we actually are there at the gravesite and they lower the body into the ground, everybody thinks that's it. It's sort of like this final moment, you know, that everything's final. And I just want to tell you that it's not final. That is not it. That person is not there. They have gone to eternity one direction or another. And so we want to talk about that today. So that's why uh, I chose to do that. So if you go ahead and pull out your outline, we'll get started today. We've got a lot of information to talk about. And I think that you're going to learn today. And I hope today, this is my goal. My goal is that after this sermon is over today, that you're going to be comfortable with, you know, when, it's, when it comes your time, that you're not going to be fearful about that. And we hope that's going to be a long time away. But when it does, that you won't be so afraid. All right? So uh, look at the Bible with me. What happens when I die? Ecclesiastes 7 and 4 says this, The wisest man who ever lived said, Someone who is always thinking about happiness is a what? Is a fool. That's right. A wise person thinks about what? Death. So a wise person thinks about it. Now, it's not good to think about it all the time, but in, 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 to live and ignore that we're going to be here forever and ever, if you think that, then it's, it's a fool, the Bible says. We have to think about that we're not going to be here forever, that we all are going to die. Matter of fact, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, a person is not ready to live until they're ready to die. And so today I, want to, I just want to share with you uh, about eternity. And so I want to tell you that eternity has two options, and that is this. The first thing I would say this, the whole line I want you to remember is this, is that we suffer, we, in eternity we will either suffer separation from God or we will actually celebrate with God, enjoy celebration with God. And so today I want to, I, so eternity has a positive and a negative. You agree with that? And so I want to start off and talk to you about the negative first, all right? And so we can get to the positive. So if you would just take your outline out, I want to talk to you today, again, on, uh, we're going to talk about four things about hell, four things about heaven, and then I want to tell you what to do to not be afraid of dying, okay? Here we go. The first thing, the first fact about hell that I want to share with you is this, is that it is a real place. 
I know that Hollywood has painted the picture that it's that you know the devil and the pitchfork and all that, and they and it's not a, they, Hollywood's painted it like it's not a real place. Well, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody, and over twenty times in the New Testament, he mentioned hell. There's a story that Jesus tells in the New Testament. I actually put it as a reference on your outline because I didn't have enough room to put it on your outline about a man, about a rich man, a rich man, and a man by the name of Lazarus. And in this in this uh, account that Jesus tells. The rich man actually went into eternity, and he went into hell, and Lazarus went to, you know, into what was Abraham's bosom before Jesus died, and he was allowed to go to heaven. But he went in there, and, and that rich man was in such torment that he begged Jesus to let Lazarus, that beggar, go and dip his finger into water just to cool his tongue. And Jesus told that about hell. First, Second Thessalonians picks it up. Paul says this about it. Look, it's on your outline. He says this, Judgment will come on those who do not wish to know God and who refuse to accept His what? His plan to save them through our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, they will be punished in everlasting hell. And then this part right here is what's the most, uh, probably the most gut-wrenching part. Let's read what's underlined together. You ready? Forever separated from the Lord, never to see the glory of His power. Now that right there is what really is going to make hell, hell. That's what Jesus experienced on the cross was separation from God. Therefore, when he died on the cross, he experienced a separation from God. And that's what was so agonizing for that short time. And I just want to tell you that what's going to make hell so difficult is the, the suffering. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just the fact that you cannot call out to God. Like right now, no matter who you are, you feel like, you know, in the worst, you can call out to God. Even atheists call out to God when they're in the most uh, troublesome moments. I mean, like the saying is in the military, there is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, you know? And so that is true. And so you would not be able to do that. That's what makes it so difficult. Okay, number two, would you write this down? It is a place of suffering. It is a place of suffering. Again, going back to Jesus, he's teaching us this. Look what he says. He says, this is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, uh, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of what? Of teeth. So what is he saying here? Jesus is trying to tell us that hell is more than just a flame of fire. That it is going to be a place of pain. Not just, it's going to be physical pain because that's what the flames of fire represent. But then he said weeping. And weeping is actually represents an emotional pain. An emotional pain is something that, it's like we keep, replay, keep thinking about things that hurt us, and we keep replaying that over and over in our mind. And, and that's what will make hell horrible as well, because you'll keep replaying the bad things in your life over and over and over again. And then he says gnashing of teeth. Now, we believe that gnashing of teeth means this, is that when, you're, when regret is full-blown, when you regret something, you know, you go, oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, oh, like that. Well, that's what gnashing of teeth is. And so hell will be a place of regret. One of the most painstaking things will be for people that go there is that they will actually have eternity to remember every opportunity that they had to receive Jesus Christ. They'll play those moments over and over and over again. And then not only that, but every bad thing that happened in their life will constantly be replayed over and over in their mind. And it is just regret after regret after regret. And so that's what makes it a horrible place. So it's not just the flames of fire that makes it so horrible. 
It's also the emotional pain and uh, uh, the psychological pain as well. Okay, so let me just say this to you uh, about it being a real place. And also it's a place of relational loneliness too because, let me just say this, as that rich man Lazarus was able to look up and he saw our rich man, the rich man who was able to look up and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, which is an indication that people that are in hell may be able to look up and see the people in heaven, but be separated from them. Now, I can't prove that to you, but from this indication, that may be the case. And so, but the people in heaven, of course, won't be able to look down because that would, heaven would be hell if they saw our loved ones down there in torment. But just remembering, it's a, it's a horrible place. I can tell you as a pastor, uh, being the pastor of this church for 21 years and being in the ministry now full-time for almost uh, 27 years, I can tell you this, is that I've been with many, many people that have been leaving this world. Many people. And I can tell you that people that are Christ followers, it is a joyous occasion. I mean, just watching a person. I was with one uh, family, I never will forget this. The lady had been sort of in like a comatose state. She was dying in cancer, we, you know, and she, was, she had been in this state for a couple days, not talked to anyone, not responded to anyone. And I was standing beside her bed with her husband, and we were just sort of praying, you know, because we knew that it wasn't going to be long, that she was going to be leaving. She sat straight up in the bed, looked right at him, and said, I love you, turned back around, laid back down, and left this world. It's amazing, and it was the most peaceful, wonderful thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what a great gift to give to her husband, you know, as her last breath, and she did that. But on the other side of that coin is that I have actually had uh, someone this close to our family several years ago that had a, an afterlife experience, and we mostly hear about seeing the light going to heaven. Well, this person went the other way. And as they said, as they left their body and he had flatlined, they were actually falling into a hole. This is what they told our family. And again, they were, not, they were a very, very, uh, uh, their reputation was not great at all, if you're following me. It was a very bad person. They said they were falling into a hole, and, and the more that they fell, the, the, the more they felt heat, and they felt this darkness like they never, ever experienced before in their life, and they were just screaming to the top of their lungs, help me, help me, help me. Until, and finally, they came back to life. And after they come back, they share that story with all of us. And even this person who was a non-believer, who didn't, was practically an atheist, began to share about the reality of eternity. And see, I've been there with those people. Then when they've passed away, thank God it hasn't been that many. Because it is one of the most difficult things I've ever experienced in my life is watching a person who is not prepared to meet God go into eternity. They are fighting and screaming, and, and it's just horrible. I hope... Never to experience that. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why you do what you do. So that nobody has to experience that. And so it is really a real place. Okay. So it's a place of suffering. Number three. Would you write this down? Number three. Hell was created for Satan and his demons and not for people. It was not God's idea for people to go to hell. Jesus picks this up and look what he says in Matthew 25 and 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire. Would you read that next word out loud? Let's shout out. You ready? Prepared. Who is it prepared for? The devil and his angels. You see that? Hell was never meant for people to go there. It was God did not create it for... When, when, when the Satan 
when Satan decided to rebel against God, and the Bible says he led one-third of the angels to do the same thing, they revolted against God, they were going to take over heaven, then God kicked them out of heaven. And when he did, he prepared a place for them, it's called hell, and that's where they will spend eternity forever and ever here in the, when eternity comes, when, you know, when the end of time happens. And so it wasn't prepared for you. So I want to tell you that it was never God's intention that any person go, and that's why he gives us a choice. No one goes to hell by God's direction. People choose to do that. You say, how would a person choose that? Because when, when we're living, we have an opportunity to come to know Jesus like you're hearing today, come to know Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior and follow Him. And what we say is we say, God, no longer my will, but your will do be done. And when you live by God's will on earth, guess what? When you're making that transition from earth to eternity, then it's God's will as well, and it's God's will that you be in heaven. On the other hand, there's many people today in our world that live by their will. They say, I know what the Bible says, but... And they live it by their way. And when you live by your will, then, and you never ever come to God's saving grace through Jesus Christ and give your will to Him, then at your death, God says, have it your way. And that's exactly what some people choose. But that's why we're here to tell people the truth so that they won't do that. Okay, number four, would you write this down? God doesn't want anybody to go there. God doesn't want anybody to go there. I cannot overemphasize that. God does not want anybody to go to hell. God hates to see people suffer. His people, creation, suffer. He doesn't want anyone to go there. And so that's why 2 Peter 3 and 9 is so true. It says, The Lord is not slow to do what He has promised, as some think. Instead, He is patient with who? With you. He's been patient with you. He's been patient with me. He sent Jesus because He was patient with us. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, or in other words, you might want to write there is perish. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants all to turn away from their what? Sins, right. Remember, sin hurts you. God, it hurts you. Not only does it offend God, it hurts you. And that's why God hates it so much, is because of what it does to you. So remember what we said. We said that we can either suffer separation from God, or either we can enjoy celebration with God. And so now, I want to move to the other side that we all want to talk about today, and that is heaven. I want to tell you some things about heaven that you may not know. Again, the casket that you saw is not the end. That's why I got out of it. Because when a person takes their last breath, their body is there, but they are not there. They're in one of these two places. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, okay? So there's four things that you're going to enjoy about heaven. And the first one is this. Number one, it is a real place as well. Would you write that down? It is a real place. Heaven is a real place. The Bible says in Revelations 21 and 3, it says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. Notice that. He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself, notice that, will be with them and be their what? Be their God. Now, what is he saying here? You see, he's saying that when we go to heaven, that when we take our last breath here and we go to heaven, or that Jesus uh, charges the angel and the angel sounds their trumpet and Jesus comes back a second time and we go to heaven to be with God. Now, that's the way I like to go. I don't know about you, but I, I like for the trumpet sound and we all just meet on the way up. That'd be great with me, right? I'm for that. But anyway, so when that happens and we go to heaven... Uh, the Bible says this, that for the first time ever, we're going to get to see God. 
God is in heaven. Now, on the earth, God is on the earth through His Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we can't see Him. We, we sense His Spirit. The Spirit is sort of like the wind, remember? The wind, you, you can't see it blow, but you feel it. You can't see it, but you feel its effects. You see the limbs shaking or whatever because of the wind. You know the wind is blowing. You can't see it, but you, you feel its effect. The Spirit is the same way. But when we get to heaven, God is there, and we will see God. And that's so amazing because... The Bible tells us that because of God's holiness, right now in our sinful state, there's no, we would die if we were to get into God's actual presence like that. Okay, so number two, write this down. There is, there is no suffering there. There is no suffering there in heaven. That's the good news. There is no suffering in heaven. Revelations 21 and 4, look what it says. Talking about God. He will wipe away every tear from their what? From their eyes. There will be no more what? Or? 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 For the old order of things have passed away. Did you notice that? He said there will be no more death, no more mourning, more crying or pain will be in heaven. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, doesn't that just all of a sudden sound really good? Now let me just tell you what that means when I, as I read that to you. There, that means that there will be no more physical pain. No more. Some of you got up with a pain this morning, didn't you? Now, not your husband or wife beside you. <laughs> okay, yes. Yes, some of you got up with a pain. I mean, like, some of you have, you know, backaches or you have this issue that you have to deal with. Some of you have migraine headaches that you have to deal with. Some of you, we all, in this room, there's a variety of pains that we have to live with. But when you go to heaven, no more pain. Amen. Sign me up, baby. No more pain. No more physical pain. Also, in heaven, there'll be no more relational pain. You know what that means? There'll be no more divorce in heaven. No more children left crying, my mommy, my daddy. No more relational pain. No more pain between child and parent and parent and child. No more pain between uh, best friends anymore. No more pain between grandparents anymore. No more pain between people that you work with anymore. No more relational pain. Hallelujah. That means uh, you've heard the last of that back-talking, bad-mouthing, whatever. Okay, never mind. You don't know them. You don't live in my world, but anyway... No more relational pain. No more emotional pain. What does that mean? That means that, you know, no, no more regrets. We talked about hell was going to be a place where you relive regrets all the time. When you get to heaven, guess what? You get your memory erased from all the bad things that's happened to you and all the bad things you've done. Isn't that great? Isn't that, I mean, isn't that awesome? You get, when, you go, when you go up, all of a sudden, God just wipes clean your mind of all the bad things that you've done and it's been done to you. No more emotional pain. No more waking up and remembering what happened 10 years ago and feeling sick at your stomach. No more of bad decisions, like remembering the bad decisions that you made maybe as a teenager or you made as a parent. No more of that. It's all gone. Woo! Yes, let's just give God a hand for that. Oh, no more of that. Oh, let me tell you something else. No more emotional pain. No more pain that comes from separation by death. That means that no more funerals, baby. 
You know what? My brother, I've told you this many times before, but my brother died when I was six years old. My only blood brother died when I was six years old. We have been separated now for over 40 years because of death. But I'm going to tell you something. One of these days, whether I go by the grave or Jesus comes, one of these days when I take my last breath here and I go there, I want to tell you I'm going to go through those pearly gates and I'm going to say hey to Jesus and I'm going to worship God, but I'm going to say, where's Jody? And my brother that I, that I, that I, I uh, was separated from over 40 years ago, I'm going to see him. And we're going to spend time together. And forever and ever and ever again, we will never ever be separated again. Pain won't separate us. Relational problems won't separate us. And death will not separate us. We will be together forever and ever and ever. Amen. Does, does anybody here have somebody that you want to see on the other side of heaven? Anybody? All right. They're there. And they're waiting. Oh, we're going to have a parade when we get there. When we go in, there's going to be a parade of people. You see, it's a great thing. I love about heaven is that we're going to see others. And you know, one, one thing, let me just say this to you. You see, we can imagine hell more, more than we can imagine heaven. You know that? Because we know pain, right? And we know hell is going to be a place of pain. And we just, we like, oh man, I can pinch myself. And we, so we can imagine hell, but we can't imagine a life without pain, can we? But I'm telling you that heaven is real. And you should want to go there. That's number three. It takes me that heaven is a perfect place. Revelation 21 and 18 says this, The city of pure gold, as pure as glass. In other words, heaven, in heaven everything's pure. That's why he talks about the streets of gold. It's the purity of heaven. Everything's perfect. What does that mean to you? When I say everything's perfect, what's the significance? That means that everything is pure and valuable. That means that you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be as valuable as, as everybody else. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where I felt like a second-class citizen among people. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, some people, you know, get around, you're like, you know, who are you? That's the way they look at you, you know? Who are you? I want to tell you, you'll never have that in heaven. Heaven is a place where you fit in. Heaven is a place where you fit in. In. You will never ever feel like an outcast. You'll never feel like that people don't want you around them. Never ever. You will fit in perfectly in heaven. It is a perfect place. It's a perfect place. It's a place of significance. In, the, um, in his book, there's a guy by the name of Todd Burpoe who wrote the book, Heaven is for Real. His son, he talks about his son Colton going to heaven. How that Colton had a, an afterlife experience. He basically had died and and when he did, he, he tells a story about how that he went to heaven. This young boy started talking about heaven. Talked about, he started talking about people that he was meeting that he had never met before. And he come back and started telling his dad about a great-granddad that how he met him. And he told him the things that Todd knew that his family had passed down. And so it's an amazing story. And so he went on to quiz his son. And he asked him, he said, son, how old did Grandpa look? He said, Dad, I didn't see any old people there. And so everyone, and it's amazing, and when you read these afterlife experiences, nobody comes up and says, okay, well, I saw somebody walking around with a walker up there. Saw him with a cane. Nobody sees that. And I just want to tell you a theory, okay? This is Jeff, not the gospel, right? You see, Jesus started his earthly ministry at 30, right? When he was 30 years of age. And Bible scholars believe that Adam and Eve were created when they were 30 years old. 
So why in the world would we believe that heaven, when we get there, that God might make us all about the age of 30? Now, some of you, that sounds real old sitting in this room, but shut up. Some of you, that like me, that sounds real good. Now, that doesn't mean, now, am I saying, you know, that everybody will be 30? No, because there will be children in heaven and so forth and so on. And I, I can't explain all of that. I'm not going to try to. But I'm just saying that the energy and the zeal of a 30-year-old, I think, is what we can expect. And so it's going to be exciting. Matter of fact, you know what someone told me after the first service? And it's a great analogy. They said, do you know what, what heaven should, is like to me? And I said, what is that? They said, you know, when you first give birth, when you first, ladies, when you first start expecting that first child, everybody is so excited for you, you know, because they throw you a shower and they can't wait for that delivery date. She said, you know what, I believe I got so many people on the other side over here that right now they're just waiting. They're so excited because they know that I'm going to be in heaven with them and up in heaven they're excited right now because I'm coming. And I believe that's the way heaven is. People are excited about you coming. Okay, number four, would you write this down? It is a place of true fulfillment. True fulfillment. Now, I'm going to knock your socks off here. I'll let you write that down. What are we going to do in heaven? That's the question I get, okay? Because, you know, Hollywood depicts this. Hollywood depicts us as, as floating on a cloud and playing a harp. Now, that'd be hell to me. I'll just be honest with you. That would be hell to me. I would be so bored. Heaven's not going to be that at all. What are we going to do in heaven? We're going to worship God. That's number one. We're going to work. Let me say it again. We're going to work. That four-letter word. We're going to work in heaven. You know, and, and listen, you were created to work. You were created to, to have a purpose and a meaning for your life. You were created for that. God did not create you not to have to work. He wants you to work. And because you enjoy life. And so what we're going to do is that we're going to rule and reign. The Bible says that when we go to heaven, we're going to rule and reign. That there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And guess what? We're going to get to come back to earth one day. And we're going to get to tell everybody that's on earth, okay, here's what you do now. Right? We're going to do everything in heaven that you do on earth except sin. Did you hear that? Everything that you can do on earth, we're going to do in heaven except sin. Now... In heaven, we're not going to have a core four like we have in our church here, core four. We're going to have a core three. What does that mean? That means in heaven, we're going to connect with God and His family. We're going to continue to grow in God's character. And we're going to continue to serve God's church because that's all that's going to be in heaven. But we're not going to share God's message because everybody's already there, right? And so, so what should we do on earth now? More than anything else, we should share God's message because that's the only thing we can't do in heaven that we can do right now is share God's message. All right. So, here's the next question. Here's the next thought I have for you. How to live without the fear of death. And this is what I want to tell you real quickly. How to live without the fear of death. Look at me just a second. Look at me just a second. God does not want you to be afraid to die. You can't live until you face this issue. He does not want it. He does, never wants you to be Because really, you don't die. When you're a Christ follower, you don't die. You, you leave this earth and you go to be with God. As soon as you close your eyes and take your last breath here, Jesus is there to lead you on to heaven. I've been with too many people that died that were Christ followers, and I can tell you just about every occasion they were doing something to seeing that they saw something else. You know, they saw something great there. Here's what I want you to do the first thing that we have to do is this we have to, number one, we have to trust in Jesus Christ. We have to trust in Jesus Christ. 
Without trusting in Him, there is no hope. That's why Jesus is so important in your life. Look what the Bible says. This is our memory verse, by the way. Acts 2 and 38. And Peter replied, Each one of you must turn from your what? Notice that. Turn from your sin and return to who? To God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and then you shall receive this gift, the Holy Spirit. So what was he saying? People were asking Peter, the Apostle Peter, how can we get saved? How can we be assured that we go to heaven with Jesus? He said, what you do is that you repent. First of all, you turn from your sins and turn to God. So here's what I want to tell you you have to do. Many of you sitting in this room here today said, Pastor, I am going to come to God, but I've got to quit this first. You will never, ever get to God if you do that. The thing that we have to do is this. We have to realize we turn to God first, and as soon as we turn to God, we automatically turn from the other. You see that? If God is this way, and I'm walking this way, then as soon as I turn to God, that means I am turning from the other. And guess what? The other is going to want to draw me right back like it always has. I'm still going to be tempted with it. But because I'm facing Him, the Bible says once I receive Him, that Holy Spirit power that I've never had before is going to come inside me and help me fight against this. So the first thing you do before you try to quit sinning is you turn to God. You see, before you give up your sin, you've got to receive Jesus. You receive Jesus and He gives you the power to turn from your sin. Many people are sitting in this room right now feeling like, I want to, but I just can't. You're right, you can't. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, you know, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, He said, you know, after give us this day our daily bread, He goes on to say this part right here. That is this, He said, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, right? Jesus taught us to pray that. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. We have to have the Spirit of God to help us. So today, right now, before I go any further, just when I said that, there's something inside of you that's going, that's me. I want to give you the opportunity to step over the line right now and get it right with Jesus so that you don't have to be afraid to die. There's a prayer inside of your program. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I'd like for everybody to take it out and look at it. Because there's a church today, we're going to read this prayer. I'm going to read it, and you're going to read it silently as I read it aloud. And many of you in this room today, if this is what you mean, and you want to become a Christ follower today, you want to, not just that you don't want to go to hell, but you want to know Jesus so He can help you turn from stuff here to have a better life, then you read this prayer with me. Look what it says. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me to turn from my sins and to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, if you said that and you meant it in your heart, you're like, that's me, God, I want to. Then I want to say welcome to God's family. And today I want to tell you that you just, you're going to lose that fear. The only thing I ask you to do so that we can pray for you is on the back of your connection card, there's a box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Check that box today so that we can pray for you this week. Number two, would you write this down? Number two, invest in eternity. Would you write that down? Invest in eternity. In Matthew 16 and 24 through 26, Jesus again speaking here says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your what ways? Selfish ways. Take up your cross. That means that you've got an issue you've got to deal with. All of us do. Take up your cross and follow me. 
If you try to hang on to this, onto your life, you will what? And so we've been lied to all of our lives. We've been told all of our lives that we're to hang on to our lives like it's all got to be about me, about me, about me. Have it your way. Do it your way. You know, it's all about me. And we've been lied. And, all of, and most people are miserable because life is about them. Jesus says reverse. He goes on to say, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will what? You'll save it. That's right. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Now, let me ask you. Here's the question that Jesus asked right here. It is so important for today. Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I want to ask you a question. Is there anything worth more than your soul? Anything. Is that extramarital affair worth your soul? Is pornography worth your soul? Is drug addiction worth your soul? Is shoplifting worth your soul? Is lying to your employer worth your soul? Is lying to your parents worth your soul? What, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What's worth your soul? Man, there is no sex worth my soul. Did you hear that? There, there's, no, there's nothing I've evaluated. My whole life I've looked and said, okay, there's nothing. I don't want to give. There's nothing I would trade for my soul. I want to be in heaven with God. I want to live in peace while I'm here. I just want to love God. I don't want to give my soul. I don't want to trade it for anything else. What would you give for your soul? That's the question you've got to ask and you've got to answer. And today I just want to tell you, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, He's inside of you empowering you and helping you. And when you, and when you do sin, He's there to forgive you when you ask, meaning that you don't want to do it again. And then you can sing the song that says, It is well with my soul. Amen? And I just want to tell you, if you're a Christ follower today, it is well with your soul. Amen? Amen. So what should we do? What should we do? Here's what we should do. We should tell other people about Jesus. Let me just tell you this before I go. I hope I scarred you with that casket. I hope you'll never forget it. You got a brother or sister. You got a family member, you got a friend that, that is going to go to a Christless eternity because they do not know about Jesus. And God is placing you there that you might share about Jesus, that they may have another opportunity, not only to live in heaven, but a better life while they're here. Because it is well with your soul, you can be comfortable to share that today. I'm asking you, will you share the good news with people around you? I know it's not popular right now, but guess what? People want to hear because they do not know. And because it is well with our soul. We're going to get to go to heaven with God one day. Isn't that exciting? No more pain, no more sorrow. And I want to carry everybody with me. That's why we as a church, we keep sharing and inviting people. Why? Because we want everyone to know Jesus. Amen? Come on, stand with me now. And let's sing this song. It says, it is well with my soul. Come on, let's worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's S-C-C-V-I-E-W.
www.thegiveview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.